The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here today. I am here today. Uh, it's not going to be a long show today because I have a commitment. Um, I have two commitments today uh, that are not work-related. One, I'm not going to share with you. Two, I'm going to be finally, after I don't know how many years, a guest in Tommy's Georgetown journalism class. You've never invited me before. You invited me for tonight, November 4th. I'm really excited to come and have a conversation with your students, who, by the way, I've already heard from one of your students who happens to be, uh, his name is Jalen. Um, Jalen actually participates and helps us with this podcast because he works, he works for The Athletic. And I really like Jalen a lot. And you told me the other night that Jalen's one of your better students. Yes, he's a very sharp young man. Uh, it's going to go far in this business, whatever this business is. <laughs> whatever uh, this business is. <laughs> Have you tried to talk people but, uh, out of trying to get into this business? Well, I don't know what to tell them because I don't even know what it looks like today in a way. You know, I mean, you know, I, I, can, I can't even compare my experiences because they're not even remotely close to what they deal with today. I used to, years ago, not that far ago, uh, far back, I used to look in the want ads just for curiosity and say, I could do that job, I could do that job, I could do that job. I look at them now and I say, I can't do any of those jobs. And those are jobs in my business. Why? Because they're so yeah. technology, te- well, technologically they require, they re- yeah, oriented? They yeah. require, like, yeah, like in, in a newsroom, these days, you have to know how to uh, be computer savvy in uh, a lot of different programs, uh, graphic programs, for instance. And uh, I have no clue how to do that. I know enough. I, it, when it comes to technology, I know just enough to slide by. Yeah. And it's usually a rough slide. Yeah, remember. But, um, uh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, I was going to say, remember the scene where. Um, from our favorite show, The Office, where Michael and Pam and Oscar um, uh, are all at uh, the high school for the job fair, and then towards yes. and then towards the end of the 
um, show, Pam um, walks over to some other booth to see what kind of jobs they have available. And that was after Michael made her go all the way back to the office to get a clean sheet of papers of some stock level. And then Pam starts asking the guy about the job. And he's like, well, do you know this program? No, I don't know that program. What about this program? No, I don't. You know, and by the way, she's much younger than you are in that particular setting. So she didn't know any of those programs, which meant, unfortunately for her, she had to keep working at Dunder Mifflin. But she was advised, if you recall, that, you know, if she really wanted to pursue her art, that, you know, Philadelphia or New York would be better options than Scranton. Yes. This is Scranton. Scranton, the home of leaders of this country, I might want to point out. If that's what you want, you know, Scranton, if that's what you want to call them, um, you know, Scranton <laughs> is a remarkable political city. I I, I, I mean, imagine a, a lot of the uh, governors, some of the governors of Pennsylvania, attorney generals, have come from Scranton. Uh, it's given birth to a lot of politicians. Uh, in fact, two of the two of the three attorney generals, Pennsylvania attorney generals from Scranton, have gotten to jail. I just might want to point out. So, <laughs> so Scranton is a big political town. Well, it's a good thing they you didn't know, have a sit-down dinner with a with a seating chart and a very scrappy yes. reporter asked to to cover <laughs> yes. it. Yes, yes, that happened in Wilkes-Barre. It's sister city, right down the road. Right. Uh, you know, you mentioned the office, and I've undergone a revival of late because uh, not that it was hard to find before. But now Comedy Central is showing reruns of uh, Seinfeld. Yeah. Oh my God, I've been watching some of them. It's just so good. And 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 I'm. I mean, you know, there's there was some wavering before as to is The Office better than Seinfeld. It's not. I think Seinfeld it, is still better. I think it is, but I totally understand um, where you're coming from because as Comedy Central has put. Seinfeld back on and by the way replacing some of the time slots of the office so they sort of run I think you know Seinfeld's on and then the office follows and I don't know yeah. I mean look uh, the office is available on Peacock and I have Peacock and yeah. you certainly could be watching Seinfeld in other ways but sometimes you're just in front of the TV and you feel like fine I'll just watch whatever's here on Comedy Central with the commercials which is pretty right. stupid but um, Seinfeld's is so good, and there, 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 there have been some episodes here in the in the last couple nights that you know I just find myself still laughing out loud. But I do the same thing with The Office, even though I've seen all of those episodes so many times. I do too, but you know, I used to think that maybe maybe The Office was better, but now I'm, I'm back on top with Seinfeld. Right. I mean, look, it, it's because it's it's it, it, it's it's a coin flip in some ways between the two. Yeah, they were, um, what was the episode the other night that was on that just is laugh out loud funny? Um, it was like season five or season six, the uh, the doorman episode. That is... Oh, yeah, that, with Larry Miller, the yeah, comedian. That is so, and, <laughs> it's so and, funny. And the couch. Yeah. The couch that gets stolen out of the lobby. Uh, just, yeah. just brilliant. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, I did it really re- is, and Kramer, Kramer is such a great character. All, all I mean, t- such an unbelievable character. 
Yeah, in in the same way Dwight is an unbelievable character. Sort yes. of, you know, similar yes. um similar roles, but Kramer there're just moments where he you know, he'll come in stumbling into Jerry's uh, apartment and it's just it's it's physical comedy as much as it is anything else. You know, with him. Yeah, with him with him and you know, I've watched outtakes of Seinfeld over the years and uh there's one scene where Kramer starts a smoking lounge in his apartment <laughs> yeah. because nobody's allowed to smoke anywhere, and he's smoking cigars and stuff like that. And after a couple of days, he he comes into Jerry's apartment, and his face is all craggly, and yeah. and uh, I mean, he looks like you know Jerry says your face looks like a catcher's mitt, <laughs> right? You know. And 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 Kramer says, "Look away, I'm hideous." Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the outtake, I'm, I'm, I'm hideous. They, yeah. Yes, they must have. They must have had to film that thirty times. Yeah, because, because the, the way he Seinfeld shakes couldn't and, stop yeah. laughing. Right. He couldn't stop laughing over it. Well, I I have not spent a lot of time over the years watching the bloopers or you know the bloopers from that show. I have seen all of the bloopers and the. Um, and the extra scenes that never made episodes of The Office. I have seen that, and the bloopers are hysterical. The bloopers are in, parti- in particular are so funny between Jim, Michael, and Dwight. You know, any combination of the three, if not all three of them. Those are the best bloopers from the show, but I don't know if you've ever gone and watched The Office bloopers, but they're outstanding. Yeah. I mean, they I watched ha- them. One more, one more Seinfeld blooper. Uh, where they they couldn't film it because they were laughing so hard. Uh, it's the episode where George and his girlfriend wind up getting arrested and are at the police station, and his dad has to come pick him up, and Elaine, who's friends with the girlfriend, yeah, yeah. comes to pick her up. And then Elaine and Frank uh, Costanza get into an <laughs> argument in, in, in the police station, and Frank says, you want a piece of me? Yeah. What a brilliant and character. They, they had to film that so much. They just laughed so much during that. Um, I mean, it, I, I just love the show. Is he? Di- and you know the show, Seinfeld, yeah. I've told you this before, but being an aficionado of this, it's real important to me. Seinfeld is based on the old Abbott and Costello TV show. It is? And Larry, Larry David has said this. The whole rhythm of people coming in and out of the apartment this group of 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 characters it's based on Abbott and Costello and Mike the cop and uh Hillary Brooke and Sidney Fields the landlord in fact there's an episode of Seinfeld where they're they're trying to as if they're volunteering to take care of senior citizens and the senior citizen that George has his name is Sidney Fields oh really and that's an an homage to uh, Abbott and Costello, who had a Sidney Fields character. But, yeah, the rhythm of the show is based on the old 50s Abbott and Costello show. I don't remember, obviously, any of those shows. I've heard of them, of course, Abbott and Costello yeah. and Laurel and Hardy. And what, were, what, what would be the other, you know, tandem uh, comedic pairings of those days? Well, comedic, those were, those were the two I mean, comedic pairings. There yeah. were other smaller ones. Yeah. You know, but they were the Marx Brothers, uh, Larry Moe Curley. Yeah. I, call, I call it the uh, Larry Moe, I call it the five food groups of comedy. So, so W.C. Fields, Marx Brothers, 
Abbott and Costello, Lauren Hardy, and Three Stooges. By the way, is Jerry Stiller still alive? Didn't he pass away recently? I think he did. Yeah. I think he did. He... I remember watching Stiller and Mira, uh, the their you know, husband-wife comedy team on the Ed Sullivan show. Jerry Stiller did pass away. Yeah, he passed away recently. It was um, in May of 2020. So it was yeah. just over a year ago. God, he was a brilliant character. Yes, he was. Okay. He wasn't the original father. Right. There was another actor who was the original father of George. He didn't last long, whoever it was. Um, uh, right. It was, uh, oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking of the guy that played um, um, uh, Steinbrenner. Uh, yeah. Right, whoever that was. Yeah. Hey, so back to tonight. What do you need me to do tonight? Okay. Well, I need you to be better than you usually are on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll, I'll try okay. hard. I'll try because harder. This, okay. Because this is an academic setting here, and it's not just an academic setting. I mean, I know I know you're used to Maryland academics, but this is Georgetown <laughs> academics. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. And so it's a, it's 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 a step up. You know, this is the major league. It's a four. Here. It's a four-year school. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. So uh, I just need we're, we're we're in the process right now. The course is called the Business of Sports Media, and it talks about the impact on sports media has on the business of sports, the different jobs that are available in sports media. Uh, you know, we've done things like uh, we've had speakers who work behind the scenes in production trucks, who do TV sports programming. Uh, and right now we're in a stretch where we're, we're studying sports gambling and the impact of sports betting on, on sports media. Because as you've seen, I think it was just recently, where these sports media companies now, these, sports, these gambling companies like Barstool, these sports media companies, I mean, the gambling companies are buying sports media properties. You know, supposedly Barstool and, and somebody else are, are bidding to buy the athletic. You know, so there's this, the, the I, so, I mean, the, the sports betting companies are very much going to be in the sports media business in the future. So we're, I mean, for students who probably have had very little introduction to sports betting, we're actually engaging in a four or five week sports betting contest where they're picking games and see who does the best with an imaginary account. And so we did the first one, and, and the professors, myself and, and Marty Conway, who you'll, you'll meet tonight, uh, and who's the brains behind the, uh, the uh, course, obviously, it's not me. Uh, you know, uh, we both participate as well. And the first week, I, I lost four out of my first five games. <laughs> you know, you had to start out with a $1,000 account, and I'm already down like a couple hundred bucks. Uh, uh, you know, is with, anybody with doing really well? I don't know. I haven't seen uh, yet as to how, how they're doing. We'll find out Thursday night how the other students were doing. I haven't had a chance to check. Marty did well. Marty hit, I think, on all of his bets. Right. Uh, and I almost I almost kicked all of them, uh, yeah. all but one. Just... I, I had Penn State, in, in Penn State, Ohio State. Well, that was a win. Their point spread was like 17 yeah. and a half points or 
something like that. Yeah, you won. So, so um, we're doing that right now. Okay. So, I mean, you, you need to talk about your experiences with sports betting, how you think sports betting is, is, is going to change, whether a lot or a little, the business of sports, and, uh, you know, the phenomenon of book bookmaking and uh, offshore sports betting. These are all, you know, on, these are concepts that they've only heard about on TV shows and heard other people talk about. Okay, and, and uh, there's a statute of, of limitations on some of the things that I participated in years ago, so I don't think I can get in trouble if, if I uh, and, and disclose plus, some of this like stuff. Like I told you, but yeah. I told you before, yeah. everything is off the record. No, I don't so care. So nobody's going to be ratting on you. Yeah. Um, am I the first person in local sports media that you've invited to address your class? <laughs> no, you're not. I'm not. Who else have you you're had? You're the first person in sports talk radio. Who else have you had? Well, a couple years ago, we had Dan Steinberg in there. Okay. I can understand why. Okay. Yeah. Right. Anybody else? And we did we did a session once with uh, – I did a session called uh, Women in Sports uh, where we had three women in, including Amanda Comack, who used to cover the Nationals for the Washington Times yep. and then became their PR person. Right. Uh, and two other women who were involved in sports media – uh, and that's it, I think. Okay. Um, I'm, so, on, I mean, I'm it's, honored. It's, it's, it's a small class. I'm honored. This is going to be done via Zoom, and I offered to come uh, because I, I now live just a few minutes away from Georgetown's campus, but you said that you're not doing it there. You're, you do it somewhere else. So I will take up your offer to do it via Zoom, and I will try to make you proud tonight. I can certainly talk about gambling, that's for sure. When it comes to sports yes. gambling, it's a subject that I would consider myself to be borderline expertise on. I, that's why we're having you in. I, and I, consider your audience to be, like, uh, totally ignorant of the subject. Okay. So everything you tell them will be something that they didn't know before. Okay. Um, all right, let's get to some topics here today and I think we have to start with Aaron Rodgers by the way you know Montez Sweat broke his jaw in the game on Sunday four to six weeks minimum uh, for Montez Sweat the injury starting to pile up on this Washington team which is going nowhere we'll get to some Washington football team discussion in our second segment but we'll start with what you know that that's that's gonna that broken jaw is gonna slow down their march him and Chase Young's march to the sack record I might want to point that out. Uh, I think that's, that's going to be... put a big crimp in that. It should. It should. Where yeah. are they? What are they yeah. combined sacks? Three? Four? I think so. Well, I know Chase Young has one this year. Chase Young, I think, actually has two, technically. Um, sacks. Uh, John Allen's got six. Sweat's got four. Payne's got two. Chase Young officially with one and a half sacks through, okay. eight, through eight games. Wow. So they're a little slow behind Dexter and Charles Mann. Just a little bit. Um, yeah. All right. So let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, I think most of you know, um, tested positive for COVID-19 uh, yesterday. He is out 
uh, from the Sunday game. It's funny, Tommy, right when I saw it, I saw that they had ruled him out. You knew then, if you've been following this, you knew then that he wasn't vaccinated. Because right. just last week, Devontae Adams tested positive, and they said if he can post two ne- uh, two negative tests within a 24-hour period before the game, he will be able to play, which meant he was unvaccinated. Um, but if you are vaccinated, you are quarantined for 10 days minimum. And that is, uh, by the way, um, uh, you can't... If you're st- unvaccinated, you're, you're quarantined. That's what I meant. If you're unvaccinated, yeah. you're quarantined for 10 days minimum, uh, asymptomatic or symptomatic. And to come back, you're going to have to produce a negative test and you have to be asymptomatic. I think most of you know now that Aaron Rodgers is out and he's out for Sunday because he is not vaccinated. Um, the earliest he will be able to come back would be the day before their uh, matchup next week, not this coming weekend, but next week against Seattle. Um, but the big controversy comes from Aaron Rodgers' uh, press conference in August where he told a reporter who asked him if he had been vaccinated, he said, yeah, I've been immunized. And then went on in in this kind of lengthy discussion about you know all of the talk and how he does not judge anybody who hasn't been vaccinated you know a a your body your choice situation when he himself knew that he was not vaccinated now it got a little bit confusing at times yesterday if you were following it you know blow by blow in terms of the story because uh, Aaron Rodgers went for some sort of homeopathic alternative medicine um, uh, thing to uh, to deal with not getting the vaccination, which people then said, well, that's why he said he was immunized. However, um, Rob Domofsky, who covers the Packers for um, ESPN, uh, said that wh- while Rodgers pursued an alternative treatment, um, the NFL did not recognize that treatment as a vaccination. Um, and by the way, let me just quickly, before you get started and I get started on our reactions, there was something that came out, and I cut and paste this, and I think I did it from the Pelissaro story. It could have been the Kevin Seifert story um, on ESPN. So the NFL and the NFLPA reached an agreement, Tommy, on the definition of being fully vaccinated. Obviously, fully vaccinated, as we all know, would be if you got the two shots of the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine, and then 14 days after, you're considered to be fully vaccinated. Or if you got the one-shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine 14 days after that, you're considered to be fully vaccinated. I think everybody kind of understands that, right? Yes. Okay. They should. Did you know that there was a third way that in the NFL you could be considered to be fully vaccinated? I didn't know that. Here's how you could be considered fully vaccinated without getting two Pfizer or two Moderna shots or one Johnson & Johnson shot. If you got one shot of any of the two-shot vaccines, the Pfizer or the Moderna, but didn't get the second shot, but tested positive for uh, COVID after you got the first shot 
and then had an antibody level at a certain level. And I I can read you the numbers, but I don't think they're going to mean anything to anybody. Um, There's also some sort of COVID IG nucleocapsid protein that would have to be present as well. So essentially, if you got one shot of the Pfizer or or Moderna and then tested positive for COVID and you had a certain level of antibodies in your system from the combination of one shot, and from having COVID, you would be considered fully vaccinated. I thought that was interesting because I didn't know that. Yeah, and those would be probably very rare cases. Because uh, most people, if they got the one vaccine, there's, what, a three- or four-week period before they'd have to get the second so you would have to contract COVID. Uh, sometimes it's a month. Sometimes it's four to five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd have to thread the needle, but it's not impossible that you could test positive for no, COVID. No, it's not. I didn't yeah. say it was impossible. I, I just said it. No, it'd you, be very well, rare. Let me let me let me make sure that I'm clear on what you're saying because I think I do know what you're saying. You're saying that it would just be a long shot that they would get COVID within that four week period before they got the second shot. Not yes. that one shot of the vaccine means that it's such a super long shot that you could get COVID. It yeah. is. It is a long shot, but it's a long shot if you're not vaccinated. But yes. um, anyway, so so and the bottom line here is, you know, as this is all shaken out here over the last, you know, 24 hours now, Aaron Rodgers publicly stated that he was immunized which was certainly misleading at the very least, and a flat-out lie from him, um, which I believe it to have been, because I think he's too smart to know um, what he, you know, uh, t- too smart to think that somehow he was confused about this. He wasn't vaccinated, and furthermore, during the process of not being a vaccinated NFL player, he was not clearly following the protocols that the NFL had set up for unvaccinated players. Um, there are too many shots of him uh, in the facility without a mask, video of him, uh, you know, uh, breaking protocol rules. So, the you qu- know, for him, it's a good thing that he's a great quarterback because he must be some kind of asshole. He must be some kind of asshole to have pulled this off and to be so obnoxious about this. Well, he didn't pull like it he off. Did. And, and he did. And he almost pulled it off. I mean, you know, I mean, I, if, I be, if I was a reporter covering that team, I'm not going to criticize him because I'm not saying I would have done any better, but I'd kind of feel like a dope right now not recognizing uh, his, his, his nuanced response to that question and paying attention to it at the time. I wonder if anybody did. I mean, nobody wrote about that, but I wonder if anybody no. listened to that response I, and said, hmm, he didn't say vaccinated. Right. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I would have. I think it just I just would have said, well, you know, immunized, vaccinated. I wouldn't have given it a second. I don't want to give myself any more credit than any of those other guys did, but uh, I feel a little bit sheepish now. If, if that was me, so I haven't picked it up. So I, I, I think he, um, I think he lied. Um, I think unlike, you know, uh, Kirk cousins and others that were not vaccinated and stood up and said, 
No, I'm not vaccinated. By the way, Kirk Cousins and many of his pressers um, has also um, been without a mask um, on during these things, which have led people recently to believe that maybe he did get vaccinated. I have no idea. And I don't know if this issue will bring it up for the players who are unvaccinated that haven't been fully masked all the time. I think Chase Young and Montez Sweat have been fully masked when seen in areas that they should be fully masked in. Anyway, um, I'm not going to go to the lengths that you're going to go, which is to call him an asshole. I'll just call him a liar. I think he he genuinely um, didn't want to answer the question, also didn't want to be perceived as an unvaccinated player and have to follow the protocols. Um, and so, you know, he just figured he'd get away with it, and the odds that he'd get COVID and be exposed on this were slim and none, as they are for most people, vaccinated or unvaccinated. So... Um, He didn't get away with it, but there are a couple of things here. Number one is, you know, teams have been fined a lot of money and teams have lost draft choices for not enforcing these protocols. The Packers had to know. The Raiders, for instance. The Raiders, the the, uh, Ravens did, um, the Titans did, the Patriots did. The Ravens lost a draft choice. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. Um, The Ravens. So the Raiders. So it, it, it's it's to be seen what the NFL might do with Aaron Rodgers as it relates to this. But the team knew that he wasn't vaccinated because they have to provide those results to the league. You know, as of October 21st, 94.5% of the league's players were vaccinated. That's an amazing number. You know, it's way ahead of the general population number. The league's actually done a phenomenal job whether you want to call it pressuring, influencing, whatever, and getting almost all of their teams fully vaccinated. 30 of the 32 teams are 95% plus vaccination rates um, on their team and staff. Now, it was mandated for staff. It was not mandated for players. But still, 94.5% for players is incredible. I never thought uh, back in whenever April or May that they would get to that number. But they have. Um, But the league... And the team, over the last eight weeks of this season, they both knew that he wasn't vaccinated and that he wasn't following protocol. And so they waited until he tested positive to do something about it? Yeah. No, you're right. No, it's. I mean, part of this is on them. I mean, C.D. Lamb, yeah. Lamb, Tommy, has been fined over $50,000 for uniform infractions, like having his shirt untucked. And Aaron Rodgers was breaking protocol with both the team, Mark Murphy, by the way, Mark Murphy absolutely knew he wasn't vaccinated, even with that immunized line in August. The league knew, and they didn't do anything about it. Uh, they, I mean, how does the league go back and find the team and penalize and punish the team now when they've known about it all along as well? That's the part of that I'm. All I'm not, excellent points. I'm, I'm not. Ex- yeah. ex- excellent points. You know, uh, I mean, they had to have known this. Well, Somebody me... in, in, in the headquarters had to have recognized this and just let it slide. So let me make the point that you won't think is an excellent point. But I've said this to you before, I'm pretty sure. I just don't know why at this point the league is testing. I don't think it should test. And I know people will say, well, there could be a new variant. And, you know, okay, well, most companies where workers are back in the office 
aren't testing. You know, not every company mandates vaccines. Even the companies that mandate vaccines provide proof that you're vaccinated, but they're not testing. Okay, companies that don't mandate vaccines aren't testing. Some are, but most aren't. And you know why? Because it's very expensive to do that. And I'm not suggesting that the NFL can't afford to test. But this is an atmosphere of very young people um, who are 94.5% vaccinated uh, in terms of their rate. Everybody on their staff, everybody with underlying conditions, everybody of a certain age is vaccinated because that is mandated. Why are they testing? Well, haven't they had people come up test positive who were vaccinated? Of course. So? Well, how would they, how would they know that? Ex- why do they need to know that? If you're vaccinated... And you have it, and you you learn that you have it because you have symptoms, then you stay home from work. But if everybody else is vaccinated, we already know that the benefit of the vaccination is it increases significantly, or I'm sorry, decreases significantly your chance of getting it, but it doesn't eliminate that possibility because there are 95% efficacy rates for the Moderna and the um, and the Pfizer and, you know, the J&J is much lower. But what it really does is it pretty much ensures that if you do test positive, you're not going to be hospitalized. So if you're trying to protect the five and a half percent people who aren't vaccinated in the building that are all young, that are all almost assuredly not going to get sick if they get it, that's their problem. They chose not to what get if vaccinated. What are trying to protect the older people in the building? They're vaccinated. It's mandated. Why are they testing? I know why the I know what the answer is. It's that well we have all of these variants, you know, you know there's now the Mexican variant and before that there was the Delta variant, you know, we don't know how they're going to react. Okay, so what are we going to do? Like, most companies aren't testing their workers as they're walking in the door every day. I know that. I know. I, look, I don't particularly care one way or the other about the testing. I don't know why you, you care so much about it either. Well, because, I mean, what, because what, Aaron so Rodgers isn't going to play against the Chiefs. And if they weren't testing, he'd be playing against the Chiefs. I much, well, I'd much rather have them mandate vaccines. And if you don't get vaccinated, you don't play. That, I'm, I'd be fine with that. The, the, the testing at this point with 94.5% and every single person with an underlying condition or, or, or of a certain age being vaccinated, I, I just, it's, they're, 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 one, they're, they're in the minority of companies of private businesses that are testing. And by the way, they're, I don't know if they're in the minority, but they're certainly one of the bigger well-known businesses that isn't mandating. Whatever. Yes. I mean, I, I don't get that worked up over it. I'm fine with them testing. And, uh, you know, what, what, what the result of it is, since everyone knows they're testing, all the players know they're testing, is that uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, wouldn't it be ironic if they put Jordan Love out there and, and he, he performs great? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, you had the, the chief, guy who you had who Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes Sunday, 
in the prime afternoon matchup, and now you don't, and you would have had it if you didn't test. And if he had walked in there as an unvaccinated player with COVID, um, there could have been an outbreak. And, you know, it would have been on the team because they didn't get him vaccinated. And that's why I say maybe the ultimate solution here is to mandate vaccines. And then if you mandated them, you shouldn't test, in my opinion. Um, but anyway, uh, the, 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 the point I guess I'm making is as a football fan, uh, I don't, I would have preferred that Aaron Rodgers played on Sunday for the Packers as an asymptomatic, um, unvaccinated, uh, COVID-19 positive tester. Um, because everybody around him for the most part is vaccinated and, you know, if it causes an outbreak, well, then the team pays the price of, uh, but the only outbreak would be, the only way you'd recognize an outbreak is by testing. I just, there are too many places and too many of you that are listening that are going into work every day and nobody's sitting there and testing you as you go in every day. You may be in a workplace that is mandated that you be vaccinated to work there, but a lot of places aren't mandating that you're vaccinated. And, and you know, you're, you have to show, you know, periodically your card and where it's dated and who, who knows, they may require that you get a booster shot 180 days after your original vaccination. By the way, did I tell you I got a booster shot? No, I, I, I haven't gotten mine yet. I'm scheduled to get mine on Monday. I thought you already got your booster shot. No, I have not gotten a booster well, shot let me just t- let me tell you what happened. I was walking in CVS to pick up a prescription. The, um, uh, the pharmacist was there, and I saw somebody getting a shot over to the side. And I said, are you guys doing um, booster shots yet? And she said, yeah. I said, oh. She goes, you want one? And I said, I, I don't know. Am I... Um, Am I eligible for one? She said, well, when did you get vaccinated? And I said, I think it was in March or April. I think it was April. She said, yeah, it's been more than 180 days. Which one did you get? The Pfizer. She goes, yeah, I can. you can come over here right now. You got to go get your card. I got to see your card. But we can get you a booster shot right now. And so I just did it. By the way, I, didn't wow. ha- I did not wow. have one reaction to the original one. Tommy, on Saturday, because I did it on Friday evening or whatever, I think it was, I couldn't lift my left arm. Saturday and most of the day really? Sunday and I was really like foggy like feeling you know borderline you like hung more than typically foggy? yeah more more than typical more than typical okay. and I was feeling a little bit and then the next day I felt fine totally fine well how did you how did you react when you got your flu shot I've never gotten a flu shot I've told you that before I know <laughs> I'm just trying to yeah, am I am, am I off am I off your am I on your list because I haven't gotten a flu shot? Oh no, you're you, I mean you're on the dummy list. You're not on the uh, <laughs> okay. you know you're not on the criminal list. Um, I've never I've never gotten I've never gotten a flu shot before. In part, knock on wood, because I've never really I haven't got I mean I haven't gotten the flu in years. However, I will tell you that the last year year and a half certainly has made me rethink. The flu shot. Have you gotten your flu shot for this year? Yes, I have. I, I have gotten my flu shot. I've never had a reaction to any vaccine or shot I've ever gotten. Uh, the first two COVID <laughs> shots I got, I had zero yeah. reaction whatsoever. So I'm hoping that the the booster on Monday will, will go smoothly. Yeah. Uh, what took you so long to get the booster? You, you, you may not right now technically be vaccinated. Because you're much more than 180 days since your since yes, your two shots. 
Yeah, I had my last shot. You know what? Seriously, you're, you're, at, you're acting like an March. asshole. You're acting like an asshole. <laughs> I mean, at your age and in your condition and with the responsibilities that you have uh, as, as not only a husband, I, I father, but it. podcast co-host, you're selfish it the, for waiting more than 180 days to get I your could. booster. Oh, bullshit. It the earliest. Girl, it was. No, when did the you? When, when did you get vaccinated? It was like um, it was literally almost like when the first opportunities came out. You were. It was like January or February of last year, right? Yeah, I got my second shot at the end of February. Right. So you are, um, you are, not uh, coming up on nine months revi- uh, from from when you got vaccinated. That's that's irresponsible you, on your part. For boost, somebody for somebody always... that's been pontificating and lecturing the way you have, that is that's quite remarkable. Okay. Let me just point out that yeah. the boosters for you know, for Moderna were not available until recently. What okay. how recently? Like in the last last couple weeks. Okay. Well why Moderna weren't you, you should you should have been first on the list. Well, I I, I, I went to uh I went online to CBS to schedule uh, uh, a booster, and the best I could get nearby was uh, Monday, November 8th. Okay. Uh, last thing before we get to some uh, sports talk. Um, I just wanted to... Still there. I just wanted to say... Bubba. I just wanted to say to the waiter last night at Imperfecto, which is a really good new restaurant in D.C. It was down there... Um, uh, last night, um, the waiter was a big fan of the show, and he specifically said to me as I walked out, he said, how's Tom doing, and what's he really like? <laughs> I do get that a lot. And I said, he's doing great, I, he, because he, I, should spe- I should be more specific. He listens to the radio show a lot more than he listens to the podcast. And I said, you know that he's on my podcast. He goes, I do. I just don't have a chance to listen to that as much as I do the radio show in the morning. But I was always a big fan of you and Tommy together on radio. And, and I said, he's doing great. And he's not nearly, nearly the um, kind of first-rate prick he appears to be uh, when you get to know him. No, I didn't say that. It, I've told you before, <laughs> the, the thing I hear the most from people who meet me uh, and they say, "Boy, well, you're not, you're you're not as mean as you, you seem to be uh, when we meet you." Not only I is, get that all the time. Not only is he not um, what he sort of acts out, and it's not an act; it's it's how you really feel. But he's a very lovable person as well, and he's a really good person, and he's fun to hang out with. Um, so, for those of you that say he isn't, uh, you're wrong. And for those of you that tell him that he shouldn't be hanging out with me, you're probably right about that one. Um, when we come no, back, when we come back, uh, I do want to talk uh, a little Washington football team here um, at the bye week uh, with you. I've got a couple of questions for you, and I think you have one for me. We'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Doesn't cost you a thing. Really helps us. I do know um, that uh, a lot of you, most of you who listen on a daily basis have not subscribed. And I know that maybe you think like it's just going to keep getting downloaded and you're not going to listen to every single show. Just know it really does help us and it doesn't cost you a thing. Um, Many of you have done it, so I do appreciate all of those who have done it recently. And again, wherever applicable, if you can rate us and review us, that really helps as well. Um, So yesterday on the show, Tommy, um, was the conversation about the story from CBSSports.com's Chris Trapasso, who reported before the trade deadline on Tuesday that Washington and Buffalo were in conversations about a trade for Mitch Trubisky. I, I didn't even ask you before we started recording this. A, did you see that? And B, um, what is your reaction to it? Okay, my first reaction, and it still remains, no one else reported that. Right. I mean, people picked that up and ran with it. Well, because it's how because it's it? because it's Trapasso. He's a real reporter. It's not the guy, um, you know, from uh, oh fuck, I forget the uh, not Pro Football Focus. It's one of the ones that sounds like Pro Football Focus. Chris Trapasso has been a well, longtime anyway. reporter at CBSSports.com. Covers the league, covers the draft for them, and 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 by the way, remember, it's not the first time Trubisky and Washington have been linked. I know. Reports, but go I ahead. I just thought it was unusual that that nobody else uh, uh, who covers the Bills seemed to run to uh, confirm that or nobody denied that. it. No, no one denied it. No one denied it. You're right. That's a point. And even if they did deny it, really doesn't matter. Right. I mean, you know, even if it was true. But I mean, it does. Uh, but but if it. they had denied it, you would. It, the fact that they didn't deny it. Or no one else, no other reporter said, uh, that's not true. Um, because you get that sometimes, too. You know, you'll get one of the bigwigs that'll say, I'm not hearing anything right. about that. My sources tell me that this was not, you know, you didn't get any of that yeah. from Rappaport or, or no. Schefter, uh, Schefter or anybody else. So go ahead. No. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, another backup quarterback. That's that's who he is. Okay, but what is it? I mean, they have three backup quarterbacks as it is on the roster. Uh, You know, why do they need another backup quarterback? Why would – I mean, people would get excited about anybody pretty much. Imagine imagine the fan base if Cam Newton came here. What fan base? They'd just be beside – well, that's true. Okay, the limited fan base. Uh, that if Cam Newton came here, people would think, well, this is this. Here we go. No, they wouldn't. Okay, we're in business now. No, they wouldn't. I think a lot would. I don't. I wouldn't feel that okay. way. 
I, don't, I know you wouldn't feel that way. I mean, I, and, and by the way, I used to be a Cam, to I, used, I used to be a Cam Newton fan, but Cam Newton was horrible we, last year. The last time we saw him, horrible. No, we haven't seen Cam Newton play good football in a long time. I, I agree with you. I wouldn't want Cam Newton at this point, but there's an obsession with Cam Newton, not just with this franchise, but with every team fan base. I think that needs a quarterback. They always say, "Well, why aren't we bringing in Cam Newton?" Why isn't anyone calling Cam Newton? I think people would be more excited about Cam Newton than Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I don't think either one makes a difference. So, I mean, the Mitch Trubisky talk, uh, I mean, I don't know why they would try. Again, they have Mitch Trubisky's. They have uh, one starting a quarterback now. They have the other one uh, coming back from an injury. They have the other one sitting on the bench that Ron Rivera traded for. They don't need a fourth one. So I have a slightly different opinion than I had yesterday. Um, Not that I have changed my mind about Mitch Trubisky being a potential long-term answer. I don't believe that he is. But I do think Mitch Trubisky would be an upgrade over what they have right now. I do think Mitch Trubisky, and he didn't get this opportunity in the offseason, and I do understand that. I do think that Mitch Trubisky's had enough um, – he's had enough moments as a starting quarterback in the NFL that, you know, there are teams that potentially, if they were really in a bind, would rather have Mitch Trubisky start a game for them than Taylor Heineke or Kyle Allen. But uh, I don't think he's the answer. You know, he quarterbacked last year uh, in Chicago and had some pretty damn good games as the Bears made it to the postseason. And then he had a moment in that game that that repulsed me when on a fourth and one, uh, he decided that he'd run out of bounds instead of stick his head and try to make it in a big spot. And they ended up, you know, turning the ball over on downs. That said something to me about him. Unless I remember saying in the moment, unless somehow I find out that he's like really injured or really ill or something. But we never, we never did um, uh, uh, hear that. But I do think that he is an upgrade over what they have. But he's not the long-term answer in my opinion. But I do like that they're conti- that they have made it very clear through their actions, both in the offseason with the attempt to trade for Matt Stafford, and if this is true, already thinking about we got to bring some guys in here and we got to start finding taking some swings. And we liked Trubisky in the offseason. We decided, you know, for whatever reason, the price was too high for him to be a starter. I mean, Buffalo signed him for, for two and a half million to be a backup. You probably could have signed him for two and a half million and said you got to compete with Kyle Allen and with uh, Taylor Heineke. Um, but uh, I think it is an indication that they are going to be very, very busy on the quarterback front. I hope they are more than just busy. I hope that they are very aggressive on the on the quarterback front between uh, you know the end of this season, which is going to end very poorly, and uh, the NFL draft. I think they will be. I think. I mean, I think it'll be obvious to everyone by the end of the year, and there'll be a lot of pressure to be including from the owner. I'm sure the the owner will be, you know, b- being some pressure on personnel. Uh, you know, I want my quarterback, whoever that may be. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to to see that 
there's a big question mark at quarterback. There's just no obvious answer. Right. Or not even a – there's no oblivious answer. No. There's, there's, there's no answer. There's no answer in sight. But, you know, a lot of times there's no answers in sight, and then all of a sudden, oh, my God, Justin, yeah, Herbert's, right. Justin Herbert's really good. Yeah. Even yeah. we, even we right. who drafted him didn't see this coming. Yeah, yeah. So that's I what mean, you have that, to that's, that's, that's still the swing, the swing that has the most potential, uh, you know, for them at this point. Because, right. you know, if, if, if Aaron Rodgers, the unvaccinated weasel, uh, isn't, av- you know, isn't available, and he won't be because he's not coming to Washington, uh, and uh, maybe Matt Ryan I still think is going to be available next year in, in, in the off season. Uh, in, in trades, but, uh, you know, I mean, he's 37 years old, I think, already. But Matt Ryan would certainly be an option. But I got to think, I mean, again, you, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine somebody in their right mind saying, yeah, I'll, I'll put Washington on the list of teams I'll go to. Uh, Isn't it? Oh, of course. I mean, that's going to be the biggest. That's going to be one of the bigger issues. They don't. They're not um, competing for a franchise quarterback on a level ground with the other thirty-one franchises. First of all, you could yeah, make. No the, one's going to look at look. No one's going to look at the weapons that Washington has here and say, "Wow, I can't wait to throw passes to those guys." Right. Yeah, I think that. Um, you know, it's the same thing we said a lot for for many years about just even the coach. And they did, you know, they did land on Ron Rivera uh, for better yeah. or for worse. I think for better compared to what they could have gotten. But whatever, that's not the conversation right now. I think that the their their path to a franchise quarterback or a chance at a franchise quarterback has to be the draft, because yeah. players who get drafted don't have a choice. Um, and so. You know, uh, you're not, you know, if Russell Wilson or, you know, I've been reading a lot about the Eagles and Russell Wilson. I, I, don't, I don't know where Russell Will, Wilson, I, if I were Seattle, I'd never trade Russell Wilson for starters. Just like when I. we were having this Deshaun Watson conversation, I'm like, why would Houston ever trade Deshaun Watson? Do you know how hard it is to find these people? And they have one. And by the way, he just signed a long-term deal. Um, and, you know, that would be actually, the, the truth is, in addition to the draft, um, there's one possibility, you know, in terms of, you know, a true elite franchise quarterback, and that would be Deshaun Watson. And it would be one of those situations where if he's cleared, if he settles, if he's not going to jail, if he's not going to be suspended for five years and it's only one year or it's only half a season and, you know, um, the, uh, the trade, the no trade clause that he has, there aren't enough teams interested. They just don't want to take on the, the PR risk or any other risk. Well, Washington could land him that way. And then, you know, for everybody that says this is the one franchise that couldn't do it. I understand what you're saying from a PR standpoint, but also understand that there's really not much lower. I mean, how much lower can they go? Well, fuck, Kevin, they've gone lower this year than they've been before. I know. So there's always room. But what is what does going her. lower even mean at this point? It's not like they're going to so we're going to lose the other 20,000 that are coming to the games. I mean, the the risk there's of going lower effect. 
Yeah, but the risk there's of a cumulative effect yeah. of 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 being the target of abuse and criticism for years. It's a, it's a cumulative effect publicly in the organization attracting people to work for you. It's 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 it it all piles up. Yeah. Even if it's the same level, it, it's it's adding on to the pile. I mean, if you're in a fight and you're in a tenth round, and you get hit just as hard as you got hit in the ninth round, well, you've been taking those punches the whole fight. It's going to hurt more, no matter how if if the punch isn't harder or not. So, I mean, how much lower they can go? Every every measure uh, of uh, dysfunction uh, is a blow that they can't afford to. Uh, afford. Okay, that's fair, but it would be a total risk reward um, uh, proposition or discussion. It would be the risk is okay. We can take on more of the cumulative effect and damage our our franchise even more and lose even more po- potential of customers and sponsors and everything else. But the reward is. We got our franchise quarterback, and now everybody's forgotten what a train wreck of a franchise this is because they just went 12 and 4 in 2022, or 12 and 5, excuse me, and won the division. And they've got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And by the way, they gave him a second chance. They gave him a second chance, and he's proven them right, not just on the field, but he's an upstanding member of the community. He is out there advocating and assisting and attending uh, addiction uh, clinics um, and, uh, and, and seminars to talk about the addiction that he had and how he was able to, uh, to, 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 to get rid of it and to uh, become well. And look at this. Look at this team all of a sudden with Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Boy, you need, you need some addiction <laughs> help. I know. Um, hey, okay, so if, if the draft is the key, I'm not saying they should do this, okay? That's a separate argument. Uh, forget I even said that. This team has two wins this year. Is it possible, and this is something talking football-related, not strategy-related, is it possible they don't win another game this year? Yes. Wow. And I think a what lot of the odds? And I think people who still care about the team might be rooting for that because that way they'll end up with the number one draft. What are the yes. odds? Oh, it's a, yeah, long, it's a long shot. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll win one or two more games. I believe that. But you asked me, is it possible? Of course it's possible. And I'm not just saying it's possible like anything's possible. They're a bad football team. They're a bad team. Yeah. And they play, um, in their remaining nine games, they play Tampa, Seattle, Vegas, Dallas twice, and Philly twice. You can think whatever you want about Philly, but all those teams are better than that than them. They are better, and they'll be underdogs. Maybe not in the Philly home game late, depending on where Philly is. The Carolina game in th- in two weeks, two weeks from Sunday, they're going to be an underdog in that game on the road. Right now, Carolina is the seventh NFC playoff team if the season ended today. The Giants on the road to end the year looks like the one game, you know, maybe, but who's going to be interested in that game when you get there? They're going to be uh, next week against Tampa. So the best thing, yeah, go ahead. The best thing that can happen to this team then, since and this year is punted. This year, I mean, in terms of the damage done uh, to the organization, let alone their, their football uh, you know, uh, performance, I mean, it, the damage is done. I mean, you know, the, the, so 
the best thing that could happen to this team, and I know you hate this, is not to win another game. I don't hate it as much. Did you okay. see the Did you see the poll that I put out this morning? Yes, I did. I voted on it. Yeah, I, I voted in your poll. What were, what were the results? So uh, we're still going on. I took, but what uh, are the results uh, as of now? By the way, it was one of those deals. Like you know this, and you understand this. There are topics in radio that you do that you know you ask for calls and you get some, but you don't have you know the response that you do with other topics. Then there are certain topics when you do them, you could literally, no exaggeration sit there for six hours and take calls and never see the, the, the phone bank with an open line. And that was this morning because I, I essentially had the conversation, which we've had before, but really more asking everybody else. And I did a poll, a Twitter poll, which were, um, which we have to do, uh, sponsored by our good friends at Window Nation. Uh, buy two, get two free. No limit right now until the end of the month. Uh, the... Um, you know, I just said, look, I'm at that point. I've been at this point for a while where I honestly really don't care anymore either way. Uh, I'm not rooting super hard for them. I'm not rooting against them, but I do sense that many people are. And not rooting against them so that they get better draft position. Rooting against them because they just despise them so much and they want to see that owner just, you know, they want to see it go even lower. Uh, until, you know, he decides he can't put up with it anymore. Just somebody asked me this question. Do you think he realizes how much he's wrecked this thing and how despised he is? I don't know that. I think I, I think he has gotten a much better sense of it in recent years. I told you about, you know, the source that told me that there was some internal polling with, you know, a favorability rating on him and Bruce, and he was like at a 5% and Bruce was at a 6 and that they were really, really surprised at those results um, Dan in particular, cause Dan thought everybody was blaming just Bruce because he, you know, ultimately he tried to put it all off on Bruce, like he did on Mike right. and everybody else. It's never their fault. That's part of their problem. And I think that they have lived in this very sheltered, delusional, you know, harvest fest draft day party, you know, out of town game, uh, rally on Saturday night world where they actually think that's reflective of, of like a meaningful percentage of their fan base and people like you and me, we've been telling them, telling people in the organization that that's not your fan base you're losing people like so many of my friends years ago gave up their tickets years ago stopped caring and you know it's been a gradual to now I can't name one friend of mine that used to have tickets that still has them no one has them anymore and most of those people have found things to do that are better and by the way I, I, I've mentioned this before but a very under reported or under discussed part of the business story right now for Washington is not just that they've run off most of their season ticket holders and most of the people, you know, a sig- uh, the, the majority of people that used to watch games, they've run off their most profitable fans and customers. And the people that bought tickets in big blocks, the people that owned lots of club seats and suites, that's, if you look at the stadium, where do you where do you see empty seats? The suites are empty and the club seats are empty. Their biggest revenue generating customers are all gone. As as Jim McKay once said, Tommy, in the nineteen seventy two yeah. Munich games on ABC, they're all gone. Was that distasteful? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> 
Well, most most fans won't even most of the listeners won't even know what you're. Yeah, talking but some about. will. So I apologize in using it in that sense because I certainly am very aware of why he said they're all gone. Um, it was a very sad, sad uh, day when uh, when the hostages um, in the '72 Olympic Games in Munich were all um, were all murdered. That was an awful, awful day. But anyway, uh, they're all gone in terms of the, the profitable customers. And I don't know that any of them are coming back. I think they're going to have to develop a new list of big revenue generating customers, you know, with, you know, uh, a turnaround in the franchise if it ever happens. But anyway, I asked the question, you know, who's rooting against them now? Who's rooting for them still? And who is kind of where I am now, which is really indifferent like not really caring, not, there isn't one loss this year, Tommy, not one that at the end of it, I was like, damn. Now, one of my sons actually said to me, you say that you don't care as much anymore, but there was like a first down that they didn't get on Sunday. It was the fourth and one on the opening drive. And, um, right. and, and I was like, God, and I think I just screamed, God damn, you gotta be kidding me. Just get, I think I screamed, just kick the field goal, Ron, something like that. And my son goes, see, occasionally it still comes out. Um, but it's very, very infrequent. So uh, people were really passionate. And there were several people who, who called and tweeted that they have, they, they're so repulsive to them. And Dan is such a repulsive figure that they now do root against them. Um, but that was not um, the majority. In fact, that came in last on the poll. Rooting against them was 11% as of now. Um, uh, 36.1% said they are still rooting for them. So basically a little bit more than a third. And 53.1% said that they are where I am, which is they just don't care you know, either way anymore. They're indifferent. So there you go. That's, that's where... You know, that's a that's at twenty five hundred votes and counting. By the time it's done, it'll have probably four thousand votes. So it's a decent poll sampling of people who are primarily either identify themselves as current or past Washington football team fans. More than half. Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a pretty good measure. I think more that's than probably half a pretty accurate measure are apathetic. More than half don't really care that much anymore. They don't they they can't generate enough passion to root for them or even root against them. Which is by the way and I think I told you this Tommy. Actually, I'll share this with you uh after the break. But there's something there's a conversation that I had with the team president a couple of months ago that I am going to share with everybody. I'm not going to share everything that I ta- that I've talked to him about um over the last couple of months, but I will share this with you right after these words from a few of our sponsors. If you are betting on sports, tread lightly. But if you're betting on sports and you don't have a place to bet on sports, I would recommend MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag or MyBookie.com. Use my promo code, KevinDC, and they will double your first deposit. Okay, so if you deposit $500, bucks, you will have 1000 in your account to wager with. They are also offering referral bonuses. So if you refer somebody that signs up at MyBookie, you're going to get an additional 250% bonus on their first deposit. And you're not limited to one referral. You can have as many referrals 
as possible. If you already have a place where you're gambling and you only have one and you're really taking this seriously, uh, you shouldn't have just one. You should have two or three places where you not only take advantage of offers like you know free money to wager with, which is what my bookie's offering, but also a place to comparison shop, as I talk about all the time, on point spreads, etc. Uh, you don't want to be sitting there, you know, tonight with the Colts minus 10 and a half if you can play them at minus 10 without having to buy the half point and pay minus 120 for it. And for some of you, you're on websites and you're playing, you know, legal sports betting, you're paying like minus 130 or minus 140 or minus 150 to buy a half point. You don't want to do that. Um, have another place where you can get the best deal. Because uh, it does add up over the course of the year. Go to MyBookie at MyBookie.ag or MyBookie.com. Use my promo code, KevinDC. If something's written in the promo code, erase it and put KevinDC in there. And they will double your first deposit. And then if you refer somebody, you're going to get a piece of their first deposit as well. All right. Um, I, 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 I do. This, is what, this is what I need from you tonight. Okay. That kind of that kind of information. That's what we need from you tonight. You just want me to read so ads? Go ahead. Want me to just read uh, well, the, my that, my that book very, ads? I think they'd be thrilled. That was a very inform. That was very informative. Okay. All right. Uh, so I told you that I I would wanted to reveal something um, about a conversation that I had with Jason Wright, the team president, and I've had a couple of conversations with him over the last several months. I think several people in the media have. I think he has reached out to people in the media. And is trying to, you know, really gauge what's going on and what has gone on. And anyway, one of the first conversations I had with him, you know, um, he made the comment that, you know, we've got an angry fan base. We've got a fan base that's really upset with us. And everybody knows that. And apparently everybody knows that out there. And I said, no, no, they're not angry. They're not pissed off. Like Tommy and I have been saying for years now, it's worse than that. They're indifferent. They're apathetic. They don't care. Um, That's much worse. And he said, well, that is much worse in business. And I said, that's where you are. The anger part was like 10 years ago or maybe five years ago, you know, after the winning off the field comments and, you know, a lot of other things that were going on. Um, But now, um, you know, and and this poll kind of reflects it, you know, more than half of, you know, people who have been fans or are fans essentially say they don't care either way, you know, and, and just a little bit more than a third are still into it, essentially, that they're rooting for them. So it is an incredible challenge for them that he has very, very little control over because he can't, uh, he cannot control the behavior of the people that he works for. He cannot control whatever Congress decides to do at this point. Remember, today's the deadline for that, Tommy. The deadline where the league was supposed to hand over some stuff to those That's two right. Congress uh, uh, people. Um, and, you know, uh, he's got the challenge of trying to build up the business with the team losing. Certainly it would have helped him a lot had the team been 6-2 and two versus 2-6. Two and six. But, you know, we even saw early on, remember the opener and we were thinking, you know, with some of the excitement in the offseason, you know, in many ways, Tommy, that opener against the Chargers was more telling than any other game. They had the paid at 51 and the actual at like 40, 42,000 for an opening game on a beautiful September 
you know, Sunday 1 p.m. time slot against a good opponent coming off a playoff season where there was a lot of optimism, as much optimism optimism as there's been. And there were only 42,000 people there, roughly. Uh, lots of Charger fans. Call it a third were Chargers fans. Some people say more. And then a terrible, remember, John Oran shared this with us, a terrible local TV rating. Yes. So yeah. that should have been I mean, the, uh, the biggest red flag of the year. Now, if they don't have people out there to watch Tom Brady – and to watch Dallas, those two games, and I'm not talking about Washington fans, but having more people than they've had at those two games, then they're in big trouble. They should have a packed Dallas house on Sunday, December 12th. There should be, I would you bet would you, so. uh, by the way, I'm not saying a sold-out game, but I'm saying if they have 50,000, 55,000, you'll have 35, 40,000 Cowboy fans in the crowd there on that day. That'll be a big, that'll be a big day. We Keep this in mind. That for Jason Wright and Dan Snyder and Tanya Snyder, thank God they're saying for the Tampa Bay and Dallas home games. Thank God we're going to fill up our stadium with people who want to watch Tom Brady and root for the Buccaneers and then all those Cowboy fans that will be there. And by the way, they're probably at this point rooting for Philadelphia to have a chance at the playoffs on Sunday, January 2nd when Philly comes to FedEx Field. Seriously. These are the things they are probably they'd never admit, but they are pro- they really need those things to happen. What else you got for me? Tell me about the World Series and how upset you are that Dustin well, didn't get it done. Well, look, I mean, uh, the Astros didn't have the pitching. You know, the the Braves had the hitting. The Astros didn't have the pitching uh, to to shut the Braves down, and the Braves took advantage of it. Uh, it, it came down as simply as that. And, and the Braves, you know, were, were the hottest team going into the playoffs. Uh, as we saw with the Nationals in 2019 and so many other instances, that carries a lot of weight in these playoffs. The team that's playing the best going into the postseason is usually the toughest out. And the Braves, who had a losing record uh, at the All-Star break, were certainly playing uh, the hottest team going into the postseason, and they've continued to play that way. Uh, you know, good good for them. Uh, do I think it means anything for the National League East moving forward uh, in terms of a Braves dominance? No, I don't think it means anything. I think it's still a division that every year is pretty much up for grabs between four teams, three teams now, and the Nationals better get their act together, so it's four teams. I mean, right now, the Mets, the Phillies, the Braves, next year will all have a shot at that National League East title. Again, I don't think this is the beginning of an era of Braves dominance in the National League East. Even though they did it without uh, you know, their best player. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, their roster's going to look different next year. You know, that doesn't mean they couldn't have been beat in a seven-game series by a different team, a team with good starting pitching, you know, which Um, the Astros did did not have available to them. I think, and I didn't really think about this during the World Series, but I was really happy for Freddie Freeman at the end of it. Um, A guy that's been in that organization for so long has been a really good player, and I don't think there was anybody that seemed happier at the end of that than him. Uh, 
they're they're going to have to pay him, I think, to to keep him. Right? Isn't he a free agent? I think he's a big yes, free agent here. He's a free agent in the off season. How yes. old is he? Thirty seven, something like that. Thirty six. No, he's not that old. He's not. He's he's not that old at all. No. Okay. Hold on one second. I'll tell you. But uh, yeah, their roster is going to be different next year uh, in terms of of what it looks like. Uh, and. Uh, you know, I got a column running in tomorrow's paper saying that the Nationals need to stop thinking about this 2023 uh, target and think about competing next year. Uh, he is oh, 14, year, 14 years in the organization, so say he came in at 19. He's probably 33, is my guess. Okay. Okay, that... Uh, Whatever. He is, Here it is. Nine twelve eighty nine. So eleven twenty one thirty two. He's thirty two. He, so he's he, not that old. No, he's not. He I mean, just, he's and he, make just, some and money. he just turned thirty two. Yeah. Okay. He's he's going to make he's going to make some money for some uh, some this year. I don't know if it's going to be in Atlanta or not. The Wizards but, lost uh, last night. We got to wrap this up because I'm late for the place where I have to be. Okay. Um, okay. But I did want to mention the Wizards uh, lost last night to Toronto 109-100. to There was a terrible call in the game. They missed a call on Dinwiddie's drive, which was clearly goaltending. It was early in the fourth quarter, and it was a big turnaround play in the game. With that said, I didn't think that they played very well. I, I didn't watch it live. I watched uh, sort of it later. Um, I didn't think they played very well. I think that in the last couple of games, there hasn't been the same urgency. The ball movement is very – they're a stagnant team offensively too much. Uh, I am anxious to see what they're going to look like, though, when Rui Hachimura finally gets back, which I hope he does. Um, But they – I was looking at their – they have a brutal uh, stretch starting next week where they play – Basically, from you know early November, early to mid-November until the end of the year, like seventy-five percent of their games on the road. So it's it's a it's a tough stretch, and it'll you know by the time we get to end end of December, we'll really have an idea of what they are, um, record-wise and off you know obviously you know qualitatively just watching them what kind of team they are. But they have like games, multiple games against Miami between now and then. Uh, Wilbon told me this morning on the radio show, you can listen to Wilbon. He was great this morning. I woke him up, but um, he was great. He thinks the Heat are the best team in the NBA. I think they're really good, and I think they're so well coached. Um, but anyway, uh, that's it for the day. I got to roll. Uh, nice job today, okay, and boss. I will talk to you later on. I cannot tell you how excited I am to be um, a participant in the t- a class that you co-teach with Marty Conway. Me too. Yeah, and and by Me the way, too. to be at a real you know university as well. Um, That's right. I'm really I'm uh, th- that was a pretty pretentious kind of statement you made earlier in the show uh, about my alma mater versus the one you teach at. Not that you went there. And by the way, old Marty, Marty didn't go there either. I just looked up his resume. <laughs> uh, he went to Loyola <laughs> in Baltimore. Um, so we're all uh, tonight pretty much. Uh, you know, out kicking our coverage tonight, being at Georgetown and and being involved in a class. Anyway, uh, thank you. I will talk I to you next week. I out kick my coverage every day. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. Liz should be telling you that every day of the week. Uh, have a great day, everybody. I'll be back tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.